Welcome to The Brew Files from Experimental Brewing, our quick hit series where we focus on fundamental aspects of brewing, including styles, techniques, and recipes. More brew, more flavor, more stories, less time, less ukulele. In this episode, we often talk about the connection between home brewing and commercial brewing, but in the case of San Diego Beer News' Homebrew Summer, it's the literal truth. We're talking to Brandon Hernandez, who's organized the Herculean effort. In addition to getting homebrew-sized versions of commercial recipes, he's been connecting homebrewers with professionals to make beers that celebrate both fields and provides a great excuse to get out and have a beer. But first, a message from our sponsors. The seltzer sensation is here, and our friends at Mangrove Jacks have specifically formulated their newest craft series yeast for making home-brewed hard seltzer. The Mangrove Jacks hard seltzer yeast and nutrient produces a clean, neutral flavor and aroma profile, allowing you to get creative with your hard seltzer recipe. Homebrewers can use this blend of yeast and nutrient in their own seltzer recipes, or choose from one of the new Mangrove Jacks hard seltzer recipe kits, which are formulated to make up to five gallons of refreshing 4.5% seltzer. The kits come in three thirst-quenching varieties, Raspberry Breeze, Lemon and Lime Smash, and Pineapple Sunset. This episode is brought to you by the American Homebrewers Association. This holiday season, give back to the brewing community when you join the American Homebrewers Association. From November 8th through December 15th, purchase an annual membership and the American Homebrewers Association will make a $5 donation to your choice of Beer for Boobs, Soldiers Angels Hops for Heroes, or the Michael James Jackson Foundation for Brewing and Distilling. Learn more about these nonprofits and how to donate directly by visiting homebrewersassociation.org slash experimental. And let's give back together. This is going to be all about a fun project that happens down in the Sunnyburg of San Diego, a.k.a. Craft Beer Central, a.k.a. Homebrew Central in some ways. And to get that discussion going, Brandon, introduce yourself. Hi there. I am Brandon Hernandez, the founder and executive editor of San Diego Beer News, uh, the organization that puts on San Diego Homebrew Summer. How did you end up becoming a founder of the San Diego Beer News? I like to say that I got lucky and that oftentimes I've, I'm not ahead of anything, any trends, anything that's cool. I come in really late, but with craft beer, I got lucky here in San Diego and that we had a lot of it and I got into it before most people. And uh, as a uh, journalist who was covering the food beat, I noticed that nobody was really writing about the wealth of breweries we had in San Diego County. I mean, this is back in the, uh, we're talking about the 2000s. So we had all of like 12 or 18 breweries. And I thought that was so many. Now we have over 150, but I got to writing about it for uh, many of the publications I wrote for. Uh, now I've been writing about beer for 16 years. Um, I did it for, again, many magazines, newspapers, online outlets. But then uh, it was a pivot during COVID that 
turned me into the founder and executive editor of San Diego Beer News in that one of the uh, publications I was writing for the most, and I was an editor for, actually folded right when the pandemic hit. That was kind of when breweries needed coverage the most, and I was able to provide it first on social media and then by transitioning it into my own media company. And it's just been uh, a great experience and a hit since day one. So we're into well into our second year and doing all sorts of fun initiatives that not only... Uh, have to do with brewers, but involve them directly, involve brewers and breweries and beer fans and members of the beer community. So it's it's a really dynamic outlet. So San Diego Beer News, if you have a chance to check it out, been a wonderful thing for me. What drew you into craft beer during those early days there in San Diego? It tasted delicious. I don't really know how else to put it, but uh, of course, like everybody else, you, you get the taste for for good craft beer, and then for people like me you get fascinated learning about the people behind it and just how uniquely interesting each brewery is. The, their approach to beer, their approach to, to, approach to tradition, uh, or even to putting their own spins on things. I, I find people interesting at the end of the day, but man, people plus beer, that's a winning combination. I find b- people to be much more amenable with beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can get on board with that. Did you ever homebrew when you were getting into craft beer? Was that ever part of your your whole entree or was that ancillary? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I found out I wasn't very good at it, but I sure did enjoy it. I mean, you know, the process is what it's really about. Again, it comes down to people. You're spending time with friends or folks who are just is into beer as you making something you want. In, in my case, I tried to brew things that weren't available uh, on the market and that I had an idea for. Nowadays, I mean, there's just so much out there. There was just really no reason for me to keep doing it on that level. But I've also had the the pleasure of brewing with professionals. You know, San Diego Beer News has an anniversary beer we do every year. Uh, I had a um, fundraiser for the Lupus Foundation in Southern California. It went for about five years and. People brewed up special beers just to support that and contribute to that great organization. I have lupus myself, so it was a, a great opportunity there. But I've definitely, uh, you know, mashed it, mashed out, done all the fun stuff, recipe formulation, getting adjuncts ready to go in, and like uh, even foraging some ingredients. So I love the process of brewing. However, I realized that at my skill level, I'm just as good going to the store and, and buying what I want and just going to the breweries <laughs> and supporting them. You know how you uh, improve your skill level? Doing it more often. Yeah, that's right, man. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm more of a cook than a brewer. I'm, I'm more of the uh, a culinary arts than the scientific mind. I, I think that anybody you meet who knows me will say, math and science, not so much this guy. But I uh, he can write fast and say good. He writes, he can write, but maybe, maybe he should, yeah, write about beer and uh, we'll make it. Erstwhile, not quite a home brewer, but still very, I mean, it's impossible for you to be in San Diego, be in the craft beer scene and not also be connected to the wealth of homebrewing there. You said it. It, it's, it's really, you'd have to work really hard and you wouldn't want to. There's so many great homebrew clubs around here. They are just kind of lifeblood and, you know, they're, as with other uh, homebrew clubs throughout the nation, they are home to kind of the next generation of who will probably be professionals. They don't, they don't come out of nowhere. And that uh, the camaraderie, I think, is uh, 
just as addictive as, as the process of making great beer. Now, do you have a particular club that you hang out with or are you just, are you universal and Catholic in that way? I'm universal and Catholic that way. Uh, they all offer a little something different, but I think I'd have my, I've had my most involvement with Quaff out here, the quality ale and fermentation fraternity. Yeah. I always forget exactly what that stands for. To me, it's always just that Quaff. And now with, uh, you know, some both genders so well represented within the group, the whole fraternity thing doesn't work out so well anyway. So now it should be like the Quaff's fraternity and sorority. Well, I mean, don't forget, the, there are a number of actual national sororities that are actually fraternities, believe it or not. Oh, well, you're going to need to cut this part out then when you do your editing. Let's actually get into the uh, homebrew summer program. You said, okay, two years ago when you started San Diego Beer News, breweries were in need of help because, of course, we had all the COVID stuff going, COVID restrictions. Here in LA, I started to do my happy hours for that reason. But how does how does the homebrew summer and helping breweries come together? Well, the big thing I've always, uh, when I interview brewery owners and brewers, they almost always have stories to share about their home brewing days. And it's something they're, they're still excited about today and you got them interested in, you know, gave them the gumption to want to do this for a living versus what they used to do. And it's very common for, for folks who've been doing this now for decades here in San Diego to bring up the homebrew community and how important it's continued to be uh, over all this time in being part of that rising tide that floats all the boats around here. And like that passion, the passion, not just for brewing, but for supporting local breweries is is something that's very important on the, on the amateur level. And these people love beer so much, they make their own and are the chief supporters of the uh, commercial brewers. So I'm always looking for ways to um, incorporate home brewers and home brewing into San Diego beer news. And I thought we should just do something fun once a year. What could that look like? I want to just bring, and not only just something fun for home brewers, but also something that could maybe bring together the pros and the recreational brewers once a year for something fun. So I thought, well, Summer's a fun time. I don't, I don't know why I thought that, but I guess it is. The weather's great. And then I thought, well, the weather's great for getting out and homebrewing too. I started brainstorming and thought, okay, we could do something called like homebrew summer and give the homebrewers some really cool recipes that they could try out on uh, for beers that they're familiar with out there, out there in the market. And so I got in touch with about a dozen breweries here in town and said, Hey, would you, how would you feel about? taking one of your recipes for like a flagship beer and scaling it down so a home brewer could do it. And they said, sure, I'd do that. And I said, you know, if you want to change anything around so you're not like giving too much away. And, you know, universally, they all said, no, I don't mind a bit. You know, I, want to, I want to be forthcoming and make it so that they can have the best version of this that they can create on their own. I said, well, that's fantastic. And then I had the idea of asking breweries how they would feel about maybe pairing with a local home brewer, letting them come over to their place with one of their recipes, brew on their system, and then have the beer debut in their tap room and allow them to have their recipe available to the public. People liked the idea. They said, okay, that's a great idea, but I really don't want to be kind of like randomly paired up with somebody and I've never had the beer. I didn't get to choose a style. And I said, well, you know what we can do? is I will go out to the homebrew clubs and also put something out on our social media to just folks who maybe like uh, homebrew independently. 
soliciting folks for their recipes and say, hey, send in the recipe. We'll make a big bank of them on, in a shareable uh, file folder, and then I'll give you guys access to that. You can look around, see what looks good to you. Not only see the style of beer that you'd be brewing, but also take a look at the recipe, see how it jives with your uh, sensibilities. And you pick one, I'll, then I'll connect you guys, and you guys can go ahead and go ahead and make dream come true. And they all like that idea very much. And so we ended up having uh, around a dozen of those debut and then having a dozen of the uh, homebrew scale professional recipes available to the public. And this was all in 2021. So that was our big kickoff. We paired up with Ballast Point and Homebrew Mart, which is, as you know, Homebrew Mart is where Ballast Point was born. It turned out to be a pretty big company. But they are still the most prominent homebrew supply store here in San Diego County. And uh, it's grown into something really cool. It's, it's just like a, a landmark for anybody who loves beer around here. So they've been great partners and they made sure to have all of the ingredients for all of the recipes that were shared available and even kind of packaged up. So homebrewers could go down there and say, well, I want to make you know, the people from society and I've got this recipe. They say, oh, yeah, no problem. We got all the, all the ingredients right here. Here you go. Good luck. It was a big hit. People really enjoyed it, and it allowed us to do it a second year, too. How many breweries did you say gave up a, a recipe? 12 or 13. I think it was 13 in year one. <laughs> was there one of them that surprised you that, that would give you the recipe, or were, were you just fully expecting everybody to be like, yeah, here? Oh, no, no. no. I, I, I'm always surprised people are just so forthcoming because they weren't even taking beers that were just okay. It was, like I said, with society, for instance, I mean, the people, that is a... It's fantastic. important West Coast IPA. And we had um, award-winning beers that were shared. I mean, North Park put out their Pilsner. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not remembering exactly what everybody did, but I just remember there were some, there were some great things out there. Alesmith IPA. I mean, that was a pretty good one too. Uh, but yeah, everybody was very forthcoming. And I think that they also probably enjoyed the fact that they were able to share a recipe and say, hey, look, there's a lot that goes into this. I mean, like, Maybe they were looking at it the same way. Like, if they see what goes into this, maybe they'll be like, okay, let's just go. You know what? I'm just going to go buy this. <laughs> that's well, a lot of hops. I mean, I, I, that's the first thing I noticed when I looked at these recipes. That's a lot of hops. That, that, that's going to get expensive real fast. A lot of hops in a San Diego beer? Never heard that happening before. I know. I know. I know. I'm glad I could be the one to um, introduce that concept to you. Well, but I do also think it's important because Denny and I have said this many, many times before is like, the recipe is what is but one small part of the whole endeavor in order to make a beer yes. that tastes like the pupil. Uh, so I'm not entirely surprised that people are like, "Yeah, hey, here you go. Here's the recipe. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, and I have to say that one of the best parts about having um, Homebrew Mart involved also is, be- is having one of their staffers there who's super dedicated to this, took every single one of the recipes that were submitted either by a a commercial brewery or a home brewer and put them into a standardized format for their, um, they have recipe sheets that are just amazing. Uh, if anything you want to know about a recipe, it's going to be right there in, in great detail with just my, you know, new notes on minute parts of the process that are so important. He, he did that with every single one of them and you could, not ruin these recipes you'd have to defy some very gr- some very wonderful instructions that this guy put together so um 
and there was a lot of back and forth between the professional brewers and him. And I, I, I'm just so impressed when I see that because I know what it takes just to write a recipe for food, but to write a recipe for brewing really great beer and taking so many things into account, it, it, it's, it's something else. If you go on to the San Diego beer news website, it, look at some of these recipes you'll be very impressed they're all out there good to see that it like goes into a standardized format because i mean that makes it much clearer i mean we know every home brewer out there has and every brewery has their own way of recording down their brew log and so getting into getting into one common format is a, a nice thing um now you said in that first year okay so a dozen to a dozen or so professional brewery recipes and then you'd put out the call to homebrewers to say, hey, you know, share a recipe and a style that you'd like to see brewed at the commercial level. Do you remember how big of a response you got in 2021? Like how many people said, ooh, me, 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 pick me. <laughs> and the first time around was just under 50 recipes. Wow, I'm actually surprised so few. I would have figured like people would, people would have been like, hey. I, you have to remember it was a first time thing as well and and – I think people had a little trouble getting their heads around it the first time around too. Okay. And so you had Humber's submit a recipe beyond the breweries just going, Hey, you know, that sounds like a good idea to us. Was there any other sort of vetting or any other process involved in there? Or was it, or was it just, no, you guys make the decision yourself. We're acting as a clearinghouse. That's exactly right. It was a clearinghouse format for sure. Thinking back to 2021, was there a recipe that got chosen to brew professionally that surprised you? Oh, wait, somebody's actually going to make one of those? I would say that nothing was really surprising, but I was surprised that the uh, the two recipes with uh, butterfly pea flour both got snapped up first. <laughs> People wanted their purple beverages. Yeah, exactly. It, it was so funny. And they said, man, I've been waiting for an, for an excuse to try out this ingredient. And I thought it was so funny because it really took the commercial brewers to a home brewer state of mind. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just like when you were a home brewer. I've been looking to try this thing out. Now I get to do it. And what a better way to do it than, you know, a small batch or a full batch of, uh, of some home brewers beer. But no, there was nothing, there was nothing too shocking. Some folks went with something very straightforward. It was kind of funny because we have a brewery here called Creative Creature and they make all types of outlandish things. I mean, like seven adjuncts in a smoothie sour or something like that. But they said, since we make all these wacko beers all the time, let's go with just a Vienna lager. They picked somebody's Vienna lager and it was like, okay, well, that's different. I thought you would be uh, of the butterfly pea flower side, but look at you. That's really cool. So some people have more sense. <laughs> I guess so. And then there was this one beer that got picked it's called don prickles it was a colch with prickly pear and uh that beer got went on to get made again this year as part of another competition independent of san diego beer news where um uh the slow food folks and the san diego brewers guild are looking to do a san diego state beer project where you submit recipes that have a lot of indigenous ingredients or ingredients that are sourced here locally and that beer got selected there too and i mean of course the one that was done for san diego beer news tasted way better but i no i i I kid but yeah it's kind of cool to see these some of these beers have actually gone on to have a second life whether they it's getting made again or winning another competition or uh, one of these days maybe one of them will even you know do well at homebrew con and nhc or something like that but that'd be pretty cool to see so we got a, a prickly pear beer 
We've got a a Vienna lager. And by the way, I love the fact like they used as an excuse to step outside their comfort zone. Really, well, why not? And of course, the Butterfly PT. I know Denny's been you know just jonesing to use that. Yeah, well, not me, but I, you know, I've had some. Actually, uh, Elsong made a uh, beer with butterfly pea flower, and it was it was a good beer. And you know, as you would expect, the butterfly pea didn't really do anything but add color, which right. you know a lot of people love. So I'm curious about something. This is this is a really cool idea. Have you heard about any other cities undertaking something like this? I have not. Well, I will be the first to admit that I'm sort of greedily eyeing the idea of whether or not we could do it in L.A. It'd be fun. Uh, I, I, I'm sure you probably could. All you need is someone to do a whole lot of work. I think that's the reason why a lot of things don't happen. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out that, at least in the beer world, there are a lot of people out there who have great ideas yeah. uh, and odd execution. No ambition? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, you should, yeah, there's a lot of people who say I should do stuff. Yeah, we get 2021. How successful were you thinking this would be versus what you actually achieved? I mean, were you surprised at how at how much response you got to this? I wasn't too surprised because typically brewers around here in San Diego are game for a lot of things. And they, like I said, they, they respect the homebrew community. So I thought that a lot of them would be into it. I just... For me, the big thing was, will you have time to fit it into your brew schedule? That's, that's always what comes down to. Like everybody wants to support, say, charity efforts. They say, oh, man, you know, I just can't fit a brew into my schedule for whatever reason. That's always the thing. And the fact that they were, so people who couldn't fit a brew into their schedule typically went the other route and said, well, no, I, I can get a recipe out there to you. That's, that's no problem, especially since, uh, I, I do a, a lot of planning ahead. So we're actually talking about this kind of thing in like January to March timeframe. And then it takes place in summer, obviously. So I tried to make it as easy as possible for people to do that. Give the home brewers a lot of time to submit their recipes and just have everything in a really nice format for everybody and make it really easy from a technology standpoint or just um, an executional standpoint. So I wasn't super surprised, but I was happy that it, even more people than I thought participated. And then in, in the year two, when we talk about that, there was a lot more people involved. So, Well, then that sounds like a perfect reason to segue to year two. All right. Hey. You lived through the foolishness of doing this once and doing all that work. And you came out the other side of it and decided that the best idea was, let's do it again. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I got to tell you, it's great. I do a lot of work on a daily basis. I mean, Santa Cruz is, is, is pretty much almost all me. I have some folks who, uh, help out every, every now and then, and that's great, but it could be just a new site, but I want it to be more. So I'm used to just kind of burning the candle at both ends and going for it. And I got to tell you that something like homebrew summer is so wonderful because it's not like everybody gets their assignments and then it goes away. I get to see and get the feedback from the folks who are getting up on a, you know, a professional brew deck and putting, making their recipe happen with a commercial brewer here in San Diego. And they're so happy about it. And then they get their beer on tap and they bring all their friends and family out. And typically these have release events that are just so much fun and just so purely good. And I think that we need more good these days. Things are so 
things have been so weird for so long at this point. <laughs> and they're just, I don't think anyone really has their footing. So it's, it's really great to just take an afternoon or an evening or something like that and just see everybody happy for something and somebody. And I was eager to do it again in 2022 and I'm eager to do it again in 2023. So uh, no problem. It, it requires a little bit of work to make people's dreams come true. I'm willing to put it forth. We'll say that's good. You're, you're sort of being the, the music man of uh, the brewing industry right now down there. Oh, so much orchestration. Actually, before we move on to 2022, when these beers were being released, you had mentioned, okay, so part of the challenge was getting it into people's schedule, right? Brewing logistics is always fun. Yeah. Were you trying to do any planning about like trying to stagger releases so that you'd get like sort of this continuous wave or was it? Yes. Okay. So you even were involved in, in trying to get things scheduled out so that you could do appropriate promotion and, and keep people's interest right. going. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted each beer if possible to be able to uh, have its own moment in the spotlight. And of course it's summer. So if, if everything comes out in June or July and then you have nothing in August, it's not much of a homebrew summer. So I kind of, uh, staggered out some of the recipes that were provided by the pros and then tried to work with the brewers as best we could see where, where those uh, beers would come out in year two. It wasn't as important to do that, but I still managed to uh, use the recipes that are sent in to kind of fill in the valleys. And when we have peaks and maybe several releases in one week of, of different beers, just mostly for the end users, the reader, so that they're not just hit with a glut of content and then none. That's the big thing for me as an editor is to make sure that we just have a constant flow of information without it being too much or too little at any time. And As everybody who gets involved with doing content creation learns, the beast must be fed and kept fed. True, true. Now, if I remember correctly, the homebrew summer this year was sort of a Disney homebrew summer, right? You know, by that, I mean, one of those extended celebrations that, hey, look, it's a year, but it's actually lasting 18 months. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Kind of like your anniversary and a half, like whatever you need it to be. Yeah, exactly. The 49th and a half birthday party for the Maltos Falcons. <laughs> Last year, things went swimmingly. This year, when did you start planning and how long did this actually go on for? Okay. Well, in 2022, I decided to get ahead of it again. I believe I started planning in January or February, working with the sponsor and then just reaching out to uh, brewers around February, March. And it became clear really early on that people were really interested in it because now they had seen it executed. They'd seen it in real life and thought, oh, that's cool. Next year, I'll do that. It was a pretty easy sale. And there were some people that I reached out to, too, because I'm like, your brewery is perfect for this. And I really think you should do it because you kind of embody that spirit of the home brewer. And uh, I, th I think people would really enjoy working with you in particular because you're that kind of a guy. You're that kind of a woman. Whoever the brewer was, I picked people who are either inviting to home brewers, brew like a home brewer in some respect, or in some cases even just like, hey, you're doing great work but you don't always have a lot of news. This would be a great opportunity for me to be able to write about what you do at your business. And so there was like a, a three-pronged attack on that. In speaking with one of the breweries, they came up with a great idea that I hadn't even thought of. Um, it was Rip Current here in San Marcos. They said, hey, we know somebody 
that we'd like to work with who's a home brewer, can we just pick them and say, hey, what do you want to make? And I like that so much. I said, absolutely, you can do that. In fact, I'm going to start offering that to everybody else. I'm saying, hey, I'm going to have this bank of recipes, but if you just know somebody and you want to work with them, by all means, just let me know their name and what you're going to do, and we'll get that on the schedule as well. And that became more popular than the bank of recipes because almost all of them were like, oh, I got this guy. He comes in like three times a week. We talk beer, and he's usually right here at the bar. I'll just ask him when he comes in today. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Yeah. So that became the 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 new level or, or new like tier of this whole thing. And so now there's three tiers to it. Either you contribute a recipe, take a recipe from the bank of homebrew recipes, or you uh, talk to the guy on the bar stool across your bar who comes in who homebrews that you really like. Can see both words. That would be easier from from your point of view, easier from in terms of coordination, but also where it's more of a nightmare because it's less in control. <laughs> I got to say, I, I'm constantly impressed by how easy it can be to work with, with brewers. I think that when, once you understand brewers, and I've worked at breweries as well, I, I should say. You know, I, I used to work at Stone Brewing, Alesmith, and Society here in town in a marketing capacity, not a brewing capacity. And that's why their beer is so good. I, that helped me to kind of understand the inner workings of a brewery as well as, as what people are working with. And some of those almost universal similarities between brewers. Every brewer is different, but there it's kind of like that engineering mind, you know, there's, there's a lot of similarities. So I, I feel like because of that, I can kind of understand and connect and, and uh, interact a little better than the average Joe. That works. So here in year two, how many recipes did you have or how many, how many of these beer events did you have? I should say we had, let's see here. We had, 11 recipes contributed by professional breweries. We had eight or nine breweries that beers that came from the bank, the home brewer bank. But then we had about 11 or so, if memory serves, that where people just worked with a home brewer uh, that they selected on their own. And then we also, I told you earlier about that San Diego State Beer Project. We they asked if they could roll that into homebrew summer as well, kind of like raise the visibility of it. And I'm like, absolutely. That sounds great. So there were four beers made as part of that. No butterfly pea flower this year though. <laughs> <laughs> Flash in the pan. Uh, well, you know, I think people figured out what Danny said, which is great color, nothing else. Well, I mean, <laughs> exactly. that, that happens with lots and lots of different ingredients and beer styles. You know, they get trendy for a while and then they go away because there's no there there. Well, it's like when's the last time you saw a glitter beer? A what? A glitter beer. A I've never beer. seen one in real life. Oh, you're a lucky man. <laughs> <laughs> there, there were a few. I, I think even Kelsey did one down in North Park. but Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did. It's interesting that more than half your beer, uh, beers this year then turned out to be from brewers just reaching across the the table and going, "You, we want to work with you." It wasn't that many, but we. I mean, at the end of the day, we had so okay. So I started out just looking to do like a twelve and twelve or like twenty or so, like we did last year or in twenty one. But um, it just took on a life of its own. A lot more people said yes, and we added the estate beers. But at the end of the day, we ended up with, geez, like way over 30 and i even made one which was kind of fun so <laughs> okay so I threw myself i threw myself into it this time around and so the question then is what did you make you made a triple ipa yes and it was fantastic it was strata it was strata forward but had 
uh, a wealth of hops in there that we came up with a really good mix for. So I worked with Nickel Beer Company, so Tom Nickel, kind of a ringer. I used a, a former World Beer Cup Championship uh, winner, so uh, that I couldn't screw it up. I was going to say way. you kind of cheated. Yeah, I did, but you know, the, it got me involved. What can I say? I'm not only a uh, I'm not only the owner; I'm also a client. That's a reference. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and if you recognize that reference, you might be needing their services. Anyway. <laughs> Thank God I don't. But 2022, I mean, big growth. Can you tell me, like, what's been the overall reaction? I mean, like, you know, what have you heard from brewers? What have you heard from home brewers? Like, I, I have to imagine a lot of people are just excited about it. But I mean... Does it still, I mean, do you feel like it still has a draw of like making people excited and giving people a reason to go to a particular brewery, which I have to imagine is part of the appeal to brewers? Yeah, I, I think it does. Um, but I really, in, in a lot of cases, I don't think that's the main reason that the brewers participate. I, they do like it. I mean, we're talking about a release event where people, much like if you had a really good band or a band had a good following, you bring in those people for one night. But at the end of the day, they have to sell these beers, right? So um, if you make something obscure, it could very well be up there for a long time. But they take this calculated risk with all that. But they they really just do it because they want to. Um, it's kind of like that give back mentality that seems to rule over a lot of uh, craft breweries. And it's such a wonderful thing. They do it, at, a lot of them, out of the goodness of their heart or just remembering what they were like when they were home brewers. And a lot of them say, man, I wish this was around back before I you know, opened a brewery, that would have been so much fun. And that seems to be the, the overriding sentiment of the professional brewers. As far as the, the home brewers, they're, they're stoked about it, as you can imagine. And I think that they're, they're still kind of amazed at how easy it is to participate. It really is just about submitting a recipe or in some, some people even do that. But I think that the ones who are reached out to by the breweries have probably just been the most amazed by the whole thing. Like you've got to be kidding me. I didn't even do anything. <laughs> All you just know that I I'm, I'm a pretty good home brewer. And you asked me if I would come over and make a beer. That's cool. And the funny part is to me about that is that, you know, you don't need me for that. Anybody could do that at any, any point. So I would like to think that at some point folks will realize that. And maybe it'll just become something that happens a little more frequently. Maybe with homebrew part, homebrew summer participants, they find out they really like it and that they just want to do it for no reason in the middle of November or, <laughs> you know, or this December, we're going to just pick somebody that we really like, do a homebrew with them as, it's kind of like a Christmas gift to them or something. I don't know, but that was what the whole thing was about was bringing people together from both sides of brewing and, and, you know, strengthening that relationship. And if, it can keep on doing that, you know, independent of a set time of year. That that would be pretty cool and definitely uh, accomplishing the mission on a different level. Well, I mean, technically with the weather in San Diego, homebrew summer could happen in December too. Yeah, yeah. See, the whole no seasons things allowed me to take these 30 plus things we had, which was way too much content for summer. And it, it ended in the second week of November this year. I couldn't believe it. Uh, it was really funny because we were supposed to have kind of a finale at Homebrew Mart's 30th anniversary party because we had kind of timed it around that. That 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 occurred in um, in uh, early September, 
And I thought I would say, okay, we can extend this to that party. We have enough to extend it to that party. We had so many that we had to go all the way into November. And it was kind of a funny speech I had to give at that event. Like, well, believe it or not, we're not even close to done. It's going to go into fall. It almost went to winter. It's kind of weird. But next year, I think we might scale back the number of uh, number of folks. I don't want it to get become so common that it just gets kind of stale or people look at the beers and say, well, geez, there's like 30 of them. I mean, how special is this? I, I want I want it to be a little more uh, something you can kind of like save the date for and be excited, be a little more excited about them. I think that maybe the quantity was a little bit this too much, but we'll find a sweet spot somewhere. Well, I mean, it's good to suffer from a overabundance of enthusiasm, shall we say. <laughs> that is my life. I suffer from an overabundance of enthusiasm on a regular basis. Okay. Well, and then lastly, of course, you know, we can't talk about a homebrew project happening in San Diego and particularly your plans for this coming year without also reminding people that HomebrewCon is coming to San Diego in June. And so yeah. I know, I know you, I know when we were talking beforehand, you were like, well, we're not quite there yet, but I assume you're, you're trying to f- suss out something special to do for HomebrewCon. Absolutely. I don't know what it's going to be yet. I have a couple of little ideas that are kind of shaping themselves into something real in my head. But again, Ballast Point Homebrew Mart been great partners to this whole thing. So we're going to be talking about that together and just trying to find out something cool we could do. I mean, just having all these homebrewers here in town is special on its own, but it'd, it'd be a missed opportunity if we couldn't find a way to coordinate all of that and maybe work with the uh, AHA and uh, just find out at least like some kind of fun event we could do. Maybe maybe some of these beers could make a debut at an event and the homebrewers could be there for it and kind of speak to their beers. I don't know, but there's a great opportunity there that I don't intend to miss out on. Awesome. People can find out about a homebrew summer. The website again? SanDiegoBeer.news. There is no com in there. Com and misconception. All right. So SanDiegoBeer.news. Where can people find the recipes? Are they available online or do you have to go to Humber Mart? Oh, they're available online. In fact, uh, you know, why don't I uh, go ahead and send you all a link and go straight to your page to find that. So we'll make sure to, we'll make sure to include the link in the show notes so you can see all the recipes that have been done. And otherwise, I kind of think this is a fun, fun and cool program. I can't even begin to imagine the amount of coordination work that it takes. Bully on you for actually doing all that coordination. Work. Yeah, a really, a really cool idea, man. I'm, I'm glad you make it happen. Well, I'm glad to get to talk about it with you guys. It's really great. So many good things possible through beer. Well, yeah, and and I would encourage. I mean, it sounds like if you have somebody who is willing to do the coordination work, and hey, look, if you have the idea, maybe you should be the one who does the coordination work. This sounds like a fun thing to do in most locales because there's obviously a lot of homebrew and pro-brewer connections. And so, you know, people should uh, people should try and make their own little homebrew summers or falls or winters or holiday weekends. Yeah. And I'm always around, you know. If people have questions, get in touch with me. You can reach me through the website or social media. I'm always happy to help. It's, it's all about paying it forward in craft beer. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on another episode of The Brew Files. We hope that you enjoyed this look at Brandon's celebration of beer brewing in San Diego. Who wants to spread the idea to their city or region? Let's do this, people. 
Remember, if you have show ideas, styles, brewers, techniques, ingredients, etc., you can drop us a line at podcast at experimentalbrew.com. You can reach us at Denny at experimentalbrew.com or Drew at experimentalbrew.com. You can find us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Reddit, and just about every homebrew forum known to mankind. And, of course, you can always find us at www.experimentalbrew.com. Don't forget, you can support the podcast by leaving us a review in Apple Podcasts, click the AHA or BYO links on the website, and by going to Patreon and pledging a buck or two or more to our charitable cause, which is still TBD for this time of year. Now, until next time, remember, the brew is out there, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Brew Files. Getting accurate measurements of your beer is one of the keys to improving your brewing. The Pro Series Hydrometers from Brewing America will help you help your beer. These American-made NIST traceable hydrometers are accurate, easy to read, and the kits come with a cleaning brush and cloth and a borosilicate test flask that uses half the sample size of most flasks. That means less beer for testing and more beer for you. Brewing America is a small, family-owned business of husband and wife veterans, so when you buy a Brewing America hydrometer, you're not only getting a great piece of equipment, you're supporting the people who support America. Brewing America hydrometers are available on Amazon or at www.brewingamerica.com.